0: Aspect. Let's take our Bibles, please. Ezra chapter 5. Ezra chapter 5, and while you're at it, it's going to take you a long time to get there. So turn to Zechariah. Say what? Is that even a book of the Bible? Zechariah. I want to announce something this morning. Most of you will already know this about me, but I hate problems. I hate problems. I love it when things run smoothly. I love it when there are no hiccups. I love it when I plan everything out so perfectly down to the T and so carefully that everything goes according to plan. I love it when that happens. Several years ago, we took a trip down to Pennsylvania. We took our primetime group down to Pennsylvania, and I am very detailed. I had every gas station that we were stopping at. I had every meal we were stopping at, and everything planned out and on a list. Some of you that went on that trip, you would remember. And there was one moment in that time where I began to look at the rear tire of the bus, and a certain section of it was down to the belt of the tire. I'm not sure how it happened that that one section was completely removed of rubber. And so I began to realize this is not a good thing, and we cannot continue our trip in this way. And so I had to make call an audible, so to speak. And I ended up dropping everyone off, I believe, at a subway, and I found a tire shop that would replace it. We got it replaced, and we were on our way. I hate that. I want everything to run very smoothly. I hate when something disrupts my plans. Even worse is I hate it when my lack of knowledge disrupts my own plan. You ever been there? Lack of knowledge is another word for stupidity, okay? (laughs) I hate it when my own stupidity messes up. Actually, this week that happened. It probably happens more than once a week. But nonetheless, I was going to do something special for my sister's birthday and send her uh, a meal for her lunchtime. And so I did that through one of the courier apps that will drop off a meal to... Uh, where she is. And so I had it all worked out. I had all the details. Well, it came early, number one. Number two, she was still in class. Number three, the person had never been there before, so she had no idea where to drop it at the campus. So I said to my wife, why does this stuff always happen to me? You don't want to know what her answer was. (laughs) It would paint a very bad picture of my wife to you. She, I said, well, what would you have done differently? And she said, well, I would have called the campus and said, hey, just so everybody knows this is coming.' up. I'm like, that's a good idea. Should have thought of that earlier. There have been a couple times in my life, though, even beyond this, when in my personal life, I thought I was doing well. I thought I was doing extremely well. I thought I was doing everything just fine. And then someone, again, usually my wife, confronts me with my own problem. You're doing something wrong, Johnny. And I find out that I am not the person that I thought I was. I'm not living the life that I had intended on living, and someone has pointed that out to me. It was almost as if there was a blind spot in my life, and I honestly didn't see it, but somebody points it out, and I begin to look at my life and dwell on these shortcomings and look at them honestly, which, by the way, I recommend. If someone confronts you with a problem in love and says, hey, you're doing something wrong, you're, you're, not, you're, you're missing the mark in this point, listen, I challenge you, look at that honestly. Dwell on that. See if there's something that you can do. And I began to look at that, and I began to peel back the layers and realize that I have a much bigger problem in my life than just what is seen. The problem that everyone could see was just the tip of the iceberg. There was so much more to my problem that I had to take a step back and really begin to evaluate my life and evaluate my motives as to why I was doing what I was doing. So often as we look into problems of our lives, we will find that there is more than what meets the eye. There is more than what meets the eye. If you look at an iceberg, there is far more underneath the water than there is on top. So as you look at your problems of your life and you're confronted with them, I challenge you, peel back those layers and begin looking thoroughly to find out exactly why this is happening. The Jews of Ezra were actually in this same predicament. They had gotten word that they were to cease building. The king that ruled their land had commanded them to stop building the temple of God. And for many, many, many years... The temple just lay there, just sat there. The foundation was laid. The altar was built. And yet, that's where it stopped. It's as if they had given up. It's as if they had just stopped doing what God had called them to do. It's as if they had forgotten why they were there in the first place. When a certain amount of resistance came, they folded. But upon further investigation, and again, when you peel back the layers of this story, you find out that there was something deeper going on. In order to do this, we have to dig around a little bit. By the way, I'm just full of by the ways today. When you read your Bible, don't be afraid to study it. Don't be afraid to go ask yourself, why? Don't be afraid to ask yourself, why in the world is this happening? Don't be afraid to cross-reference things and find out maybe in my Bible I have cross-references all over the place and I try to cross-reference things and figure out why in the world things are going on. Wonderful thing about the Bible is it tells us exactly where to go. Look at Ezra chapter 5 and verse 1. The Bible says this, after everything the the Building ceases. The end of chapter four. Look at verse chapter five and verse one. Then the prophets Haggai, the prophet, and Zechariah the son of Iddo prophesied unto the Jews that were in Judah, and in Jerusalem, in the name of God of Israel, even unto them. So where do you think we should go? Come on now, Haggai and Zechariah. All right. So Haggai and Zechariah are two books of the Bible that correspond to this time frame. They are there. Prophets, and they are encouraging the leaders of the Jews to get back to building. But it's in these books that we begin to see exactly what's going on deeper. So let's actually go to Zechariah chapter 1. Zechariah chapter 1. The Bible says in the eighth month, in the second year of Darius, came the word of the Lord unto Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, the son of Iddo, the prophet, saying, The Lord hath been sore displeased with your fathers. Therefore say thou unto them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Turn ye unto me, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will turn unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. Be not as your fathers unto whom the former prophets have cried, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, turn ye now from your evil ways and from your evil doings, but they did not hear, nor hearken unto me, saith the Lord. Your fathers, where are they? And the prophets, do they live forever? Verse 6, but my words and my statutes, which I command my servants, the prophets, did they not take hold of your fathers? And they returned and said, like as the Lord of hosts thought to do unto us according to our ways and according to our doings, so hath he dealt with us. You see, on the surface, if you, if you picked up anything, on the surface, you look and you see, well, the building has stopped. Something's wrong. I mean, oh, well, obviously the king has told them to cease, so they must cease, but the building has stopped. Well, listen, I don't want to know just that the building has stopped. I want to know why. Okay, we drill drill down just a little bit and we find out that the king has told them to stop. But is that enough to get them to see? So let's drill down a little further. And here in Zechariah chapter 1, you realize that their problem was they had turned away from God. You can see that in verse 2. In verse three, the Lord hath been sore displeased Therefore say unto them, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Turn ye unto me, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will turn unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. They had turned away from God. They had not turned to God, and God is there begging them. Listen, the exact same thing that your fathers had done, the exact same thing that you were in Babylon in the first place, is the exact same thing that you're doing right now. You have turned away from me. This is a battle, listen, that we all must face. This is a battle that we all face every single day. But this, I want you to understand, is not an external battle. As we look at this story, we look at it externally, don't we? That's all we can see. We look on the outward But I want you to understand this is not an external battle. This is an internal battle. It is a battle that is waged within us. So I want to preach to you a message this morning that I've entitled, The Battle of Rebuilding. The Battle of Rebuilding. And if you're in the habit of writing things down, I challenge you to write this down. If we are going to continue to rebuild, we are going to have to win the battle within Write that down. If we are going to continue to rebuild, we are going to have to win the battle within. Listen, you will never win a battle without until you win the battle within. It's never going to happen. You can try all you want. You can work as hard as you want. Listen, these people could resist and resist and resist, but some, at some point, the resistance is going to come, and they will turn, and they will get out. The problem with inward battles is that we cannot see what is going on. And so, therefore, we tend not to understand what is happening, and therefore, we tend not to fight against it. When we don't know what we're fighting against, we often don't fight against it. Paul said it this way in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, the Bible says, For we wrestle not against flesh. And blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I want to inform you this morning that, listen, every single instance of resistance is spiritual. Every single instance of resistance is spiritual. So if you get something in your life that you just think, oh, I can't deal with this, it might be emotional, it might be physical, it might be all of those things, but it comes down to a spiritual battle every single time. Any resistance is spiritual. Again, it doesn't matter if it manifests physical, it doesn't matter if it's emotional or psychological. Again, if you peel back the layers and you drill down a little bit, you realize that it is a spiritual battle, a spiritual battle. Zechariah illustrates this so well for us. Let's skip over a little bit and go to chapter 3. The Bible says this in verse 1. And he showed me Joshua, the high priest. Another name for Joshua is Jeshua in Ezra standing before the angel of the Lord. Watch this now. Look at the picture. He's standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right hand, look, to resist him. This is the picture. Jeshua, the high priest, he's standing facing the angel of the Lord and guess who's on his right hand? Satan. Satan. What is Satan doing? He's resisting him. Hey, He's trying to move in one direction, and Satan is constantly trying to bump him, trying to move him, trying to resist him, trying to keep him from moving forward. Satan is resisting. Let me be frank with you. When you are facing God, Satan will always be there trying to turn you aside. When you are facing God, Satan will always be there to try to turn you aside. He will try to divert your attention. He will try to get you to turn away from God. When you are praying, Satan will distract you. He'll distract you with, what are we having for dinner tonight? Something as simple, as as innocent as that. When you're reading your Bible, Satan will resist you with an impure thought. When you're sitting in church, Satan will distract you with all kinds of different things. When you want to live righteously, Satan will stiff arm you into lust. When you are trying to walk with God, Satan will try to trip you up with guilt. When you're trying to get back up, Satan will kick you while you're down and give you even more shame. He will continue, continue, continue to battle you as you face God. And as you continue to try to rebuild. But again, I want to encourage you this morning. I don't want to depress you this morning. I want to encourage you that, yes, there is a battle during rebuilding, but again, if you're in the habit of writing things down, you can still rebuild during battle. You can still rebuild during battle. The question is simply this, how? How in the world am I going to keep moving forward? How in the world am I going to continue to build in what God wants me to build even though I'm continuing to battle with Satan? I want to give you three areas of our lives that we can continue to rebuild. Three steps, if you will. Number one is determine your direction. Determine your direction. That This seems so logical, this seems so basic, but yet so often missed. Let me ask you this question. Which way do you want to face? Which way do you want to head? What direction do you want to go? Let me me better ask it this way. Who do you want to serve? Do you want to sit idle as the Jews have for the last at least 20 years? Or do you want to keep moving forward? Your direction will determine your destination. Your direction will determine your destination. Is anybody surprised by that? No, yet so often in our lives, we don't determine our direction. And so therefore, we look at our destination, and we have really no idea what our destination is, and so we have no idea. Listen, Satan doesn't have to fight someone who has no direction. Satan doesn't have to uh, direct someone who has no direction because you are not moving forward. You are stagnant. Your direction will also determine how you make choices. If my goal is to build a life for Jesus Christ and honor and glorify Him, then guess what I'll do? I'll read the blueprint He has given me. I'll read the blueprint he has given me. If I'm going to glorify God. I'm going to go to the architect and I'm going to say, hey God, what exactly do you want me to build? How exactly do you want me to rebuild my life? I'm going to glorify him. I'm going to read that blueprint and I'm going to make choices accordingly. If the blueprint calls for a foundation, guess what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to put a roof on the bottom. That makes sense, doesn't it? This is not rocket science. This is all understandable things, yet in our lives, we start sometimes with the roof because we want to. If the blueprint calls for bricks, I'm not putting in sand. I'm not going to build my walls with sand. If the blueprint calls for steel instead of wood, listen, I'm going to put steel in because that's what glorifies my God. But here we are, listen, hear me, every single one of us has every single day we have a battle to where we look. We look at the blueprint we go, eh, nah, not today. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to cut corners today. I'm going to put the electrical in wrong today. I'm going to not pray. I'm not going to read my Bible. I'm not going to spend time with my God because really I don't care what he thinks. That's exactly what we're saying. Well, I would never say that out loud, Pastor Yeomans. Your actions speak far louder than your words do. And so we are in this battle every single day, but we need to determine our direction. Listen, are you going to fall? Are you going to mess up? Are you going to make mistakes? 100% absolutely you will. But hear me, determine your direction. My direction is this. Every single day I'm going to look in the blueprint of God and determine and make choices because that's the direction I want to go this also means that I am going to focus on that direction. I'm not just going to head aimlessly in a direction. I'm going to focus on that direction. If I am building here, I'm not going to tear down over here. So many of us do that often. We'll build one portion of our lives. We'll get as spiritual as we can in one portion. And over here... We're doing something completely that is tearing down the other side of the building. Why are we doing that? Why are we working against ourselves? Listen, it happens because we want to do what we want to do. I want to look at that. I want to listen to that. I want to do this. I want to do that. When God's blueprint over here is saying, listen, stay focused. Stay focused. Determine your direction. If you are not progressing in the rebuilding of your life, then you are most likely demolishing. Let me say that again. If you are not progressing in the rebuilding of your life, then you are most likely demolishing. You're doing one or the other. You're either progressing, you're either rebuilding, you're either continuing to build, or you're tearing down. It's really one or the other, very rarely. Listen, the the temple, for 20 years, do you think it just... Stayed as crisp and as clean as it did the day that they laid the foundation? No, listen. Rain, guess what that does? It slowly deteriorates things. Sun slowly deteriorates things. Listen, I don't care if you think I'm just sitting here doing nothing. In fact, in reality, you're moving backwards. Determine your direction. Make a decision that you are going to move forward. Notice with me the direction of Joshua. Look at verse 3. Now, Joshua was clothed with filthy garments. That's key. We'll look at that in a minute. And stood before the angel. What direction is he headed? He's looking at the angel of God. His direction is still toward the angel of God. He was facing the angel. But guess what? He was dirty he was tired he had battled hard he was weary he was destitute but give him this he was headed in the right direction he is battling hard he was filthy which way are you headed this morning be honest with yourself peel back your layers don't just say, oh, well, in my head, I'm actually, you know, I, I really want to serve God. I mean, Pastor Yeomans, I'm here at church on Sunday morning. Does, isn't that enough? No, that's not the question I asked. I said, peel back the layers. What do you do on a daily basis that determines your direction? How are you moving? Listen, if you're not spending time with God every single day and you're not moving in that direction, then you're not headed in the right direction. It takes it steps step by step, moving in the right direction. Your direction will determine how you make choices. I think this is important to remember. That as you move in the right direction, number one, you're fighting a battle. And number two, you're continuing to rebuild because you're moving forward. And you're winning the battle. Every time you take a step forward toward Christ, you are winning the battle. Paul said it this way. I want to win my race. There's a finish line. Set forth. And I want to continue to move toward that. I want to move forward toward the prize. Number two, I want you to see this. We need to dissolve the distraction. Dissolve the distraction. Okay, so I've determined my direction. I, I know that every single day, every moment of every single day, I'm going to be moving forward. I'm going to be pushing forward for Christ. I'm going to be facing God. I want to serve him with every single part of my being. But what do I do with the temptations that still come my way? It's not like they just disappear. Wouldn't that be nice? I mean, if I'm facing God, Satan is still at my right hand trying to distract me. Just because I'm heading in the right direction doesn't mean that those temptations, that those problems just disappear. Well, this morning I want to give you very two very practical tips for dissolving the distraction. Number one, remove the temptation. Remove the temptation. Get rid of it. Get rid of your filthy clothing. Look at verse 4 of Zechariah chapter 3. The Bible says, and he answered and spake unto those that stood before him, saying, take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with a change of raiment. Get rid of the dirty clothes. Get rid of those things in your life that are dirty. Get rid of them. Remove the temptation to quit. Remove it. You don't have an option to quit. It's not an option on the box anymore. You cannot quit. Remove it. Remove the temptation of lust. Listen, lust is such a big thing in our day, and it's so easily accessible. Get a flip phone if you can't handle it. I mean that. Get an old junky phone that you can't look up stuff Listen, if you're struggling with music, find something else to listen to. Get an audiobook or something else. Listen, if you're struggling with something, remove it from your life. Man, I can't sit down and watch TV and watch something pure. Get rid of your television. You say, Pastor Jones, I cannot believe that you would go to those lengths. Listen, rebuilding your life upon the Word of God in His way, in His will for your life, is far more beneficial to get rid of something than to enter into the kingdom, or not enter into the kingdom. It's far better to enter into the kingdom, halt and maimed, than to not enter into the kingdom. You see, Jesus Christ said, listen, if your leg or your hand or your eye offend thee, pluck it out. Get rid of it. It's not worth it. Remove the temptation of wasting time. Remove the temptation of improper thoughts. Second Corinthians chapter ten and verse five: casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Bring it into captivity. Cast it down. I will not think that way. Listen, I I have struggled with my thoughts. I have struggled with music in my life. I have struggled with all kinds of different things, but all I had to do was cast it down. I'd be in church and a country music song would come into my head. The preacher had said something, and I thought, oh, that's a good song, and I sing the song In church. And there came a point in my life where I said, no more of this. And so when the thought would come into my head of a country song, I would cast it down, and I would start singing, Jesus loves me. Cast it down. Bring every thought back into the obedience of Christ. This is what we have to do. Remove the temptation. Remove it. Well, listen, removing the temptation is not enough. Hear me. This is usually where most of us stop. Well, I tried to remove it, but it kept coming back. I tried to remove that thought, but it kept coming back. I tried to remove uh, the the option to quit, but I just kept wanting to quit. So number two, what do we do? Number two, we revisit God. Revisit God. You say, Pastor Owens, revisit God. What do you mean? The only time we give in to temptation is when we don't take the escape route. The only time we give in to temptation is when we don't take the escape route. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to, what? Bear it. Bear it, that you may be able to bear it. Listen, Satan is not going to leave you alone. But basically what God is saying is if you will take the way of escape, you will be able to take the next step. You can get hit and Satan can tempt you and you will be able to still take the next step. You'll be able to continually move forward. You'll be able to bear it. Our escape route is to come back To God, to revisit him. Look at verse 5 of Zechariah chapter 3. And I said, the Bible says this, let them set a fair meter upon his head. So they set a fair meter upon his head and clothed him with garments and the angel of the Lord stood by. And the angel of the Lord protested unto Joshua saying, look, thus saith the Lord of hosts, here it is, if thou wilt walk in my ways and if thou wilt keep my charge and shalt thou also judge my house and shalt also keep my courts and I will give thee places to walk among these that stand by. And if you were to go back to chapter 1, you would see also in verse 2 and verse 3 of turning back to God turning back to God. Very simply, get out of those filthy clothes and put on clean clothes. Put off those filthy garments and put on clean clothes. Put off the old man, renew your mind, and put on the new man that is created in the image of God. Walk in the way of the Lord turn back to him oh again most of us are thinking well yeah we know this stuff pastor we understand that these are the things that you have to do yeah we have to remove temptation and obviously i would need to turn to god but let's look at this practically how does this look practically listen every one of us knows our besetting sin every one of us knows what satan is constantly hitting us with how does this look practically Practically, this looks like memorizing verses, which is something that I think has gone by the wayside in our society. Memorize verses based on what God is, or what Satan is tempting you with. Philippians chapter four, verse nineteen, the Bible says this: "But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus." Hey, maybe you should memorize that verse. Maybe you should memorize Philippians 4.19 because when Satan comes to you and tempts you with lust, when Satan comes to you and tempts you with something that you uh, maybe are envious of or something that you just want, guess what you can say? No, 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 no. My God shall supply all my need. My God is more than enough. My God is sufficient. He is all-sufficient. I don't need that lust, Satan. I need my God, and I'm going to turn to him. Memorize verses. This looks practically... By reading your Bible when temptations come. Psalm 119, verse 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against thee. You say, Pastor Yeoman, so when I'm struggling with a temptation, you want me to pull my Bible out? Yeah. Do you know what this is? Ephesians chapter 6 tells us that this is the sword of the Lord. This is the attacking mechanism. In fact, if you look at Jesus Christ and what he did with temptation, guess what he did? Quoted scripture. Get your Bible out and read, and read through some of the Psalms and say, listen, I don't know how I'm going to overcome this, but I know that my God can overcome. I can do all things through Christ. Strengtheneth me. Thirdly, again, you can do this practically by praying. Praying. Luke chapter 11 and verse 4 is the Lord's Prayer. Guess what it says? And forgive us our sins, as we forgive for, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's a different version than we know from Matthew, but I want you to understand this. Praying, the Lord's Prayer, has delivered us from temptation. God, I can't handle this right now. I can't do this on my own. I need you. Does that mean get down on your knees in your office? Maybe. Does that mean uh, bowing your head during a phone call because you want to say something mean to someone? Maybe. Does that mean closing your eyes on the highway? No, that doesn't mean closing your eyes on the highway. Maybe somebody cuts you off. That's, God, cool me down got a little bit of a temper right now going on. Listen, pray, pray. Dissolve the distraction. When you are faced with a distracting temptation, dissolve it by removing it and by revisiting God. That's the only way you're going to do it. Satan is not going to give up on you. Satan is not going to uh, uh, stand aside and just let you walk by. Let you keep pursuing God. He desperately wants you to stop pursuing God. What happens when you determine your direction and you dissolve the distraction? What happens? I want you to see number three: you destroy the dragon. You destroy the dragon. We're in a battle. And so I want you to picture yourself as a knight. I want you to picture the smell of sulfur. And there's a general haze of red lava around you, smoke rising from that lava. You're a knight that's crossing the drawbridge. And in front of you is exactly what you want to receive. It is God. And out of the lava comes a dragon. It's a picture all of us, most of us, could probably picture because we've seen videos on it a lot. But you picture yourself there and you think about, I'm going to determine my direction, and nothing is going to sway me from that. And I'm going to dissolve any temptation, any distraction. When you do those things, guess what happens? You begin to destroy the dragon. You know, Satan's called the dragon. When we've determined, we've dissolved, we completely destroy him. We completely decimate the devil. You see, the whole, Satan's whole goal is to distract and resist mankind from serving, from rebuilding for God. That's his whole mission. He doesn't want you to love God. He doesn't want you to progress forward to God. He wants you to constantly be in a battle with him. But the more you turn to God and the more you walk away from his distractions, the more Satan is defeated, constantly defeated, because it's not you who are trying to fight the battle anymore. Let me say that again. This is possible. You begin to destroy the dragon because it's not you trying to fight the battle anymore. When you fight the battle, guess what happens? You end up dirty, defeated, And struggling. The more you turn to God, the more He destroys the dragon because you are allowing God to do it for you. Listen, rebuilding cannot be done in your strength, it must be done through the power of God. It must be done through the power of God. I want you to see this. In Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6. Now, if you'll remember, there were two main people in this story. There's Joshua, or Joshua the high priest, and Zerubbabel, the governor. Look at verse 6 with me. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Watch now, not by might, by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Zerubbabel, get up, rebuild, let's go. We got work to do. Jeshua, come on, we've got work to do. Let's go. This temple needs to be rebuilt, but not by your might, not by your power, not by your wit, not by your figuring things out, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Listen, you can try to rebuild all you want. You can try to resist Satan all you want. The only way you're going to resist Satan and he's going to flee from you is when God is on your side, when God is working for you, when you are focused on God, you are living for God, you are working with God, and you are yoked up together with God. That's when the yoke is easy and the burden is light. 1 John chapter 3, in verse 7 and 8, the Bible says this, Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. Watch this now. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. God came to destroy the works of the devil. He didn't come just to give us life, though he did. And in giving us life, guess what happened? He destroyed death. And when he destroyed death, he destroyed the works of Satan. Maybe you sit here today and you've never believed on Jesus Christ. I challenge you today to believe what he did for you on the cross. He conquered your sin on the cross so that you can have victory, so that you can have life and that you can have it more abundantly. You're going to have victory in this life, and guess what? You're going to have victory in the life to come. I want you to write this down. Every person, write this down somewhere. Without Jesus Christ, I cannot conquer. Without Jesus Christ, I cannot conquer. I love the fact we had Mark Thomason talking about addictions this week. And he basically said this, listen, if you do not have Jesus Christ, you can never overcome fully addiction, never. Without Jesus Christ, I cannot conquer. Listen, you're gonna battle every single day of your life, but without Jesus Christ. Oh, Pastor Holtman, I'm saved. I know Jesus Christ is my personal savior. But if you don't maintain your relationship with him, if you don't determine your direction, you will never dissolve. Distraction, and you will never destroy the dragon. But, folks, let me encourage you. This is an encouraging message. This is all I want you to get today. Determine your direction. Walk with God, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh in every moment of every day that you walk in the Spirit. And it's by His Spirit that you rebuild. You are constantly sticking it to Satan, you are constantly closing that door you are constantly smacking him in the face and saying, not today, Satan. You put up that shield of faith and you quench the fiery darts of the wicked. I have no idea. I have no idea what you're battling in your life right now. But if it's keeping you from rebuilding, then I want to encourage you, determine your direction, dissolve the distraction, and destroy that dirty old dragon. The battle is the Lord's. God will fight for you. You are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Nothing can separate us. We sang the song, turn your eyes upon Jesus. So let me encourage you today. Turn to him. If you've turned aside or allowed Satan to turn you aside, turn back. Turn back and continue to rebuild. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you so much that you've allowed us to be here this morning. Father, as we begin to look into our lives and peel back the layers, what direction are we heading? Help us to turn to you today. And Father, if there's one here that does not know you as personal Savior, then I pray today would be their day of salvation. Thank you so much for even dying on the cross for our